named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast brought to you by Revis.com. Uh, my name is Mark I am joined by Mr. Sam Hunter. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Mark. Hello, listeners. I'm very well. Thank you. Very, very well. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Yes, I am good. As I said before, the sun is shining. Mm. It's on its way. Um, we are being invited out to appraise more houses. It feels like there is a bit more... I was going to say momentum in the market. I don't think momentum is quite the right word, but I think it feels like there's a bit more activity in the market and we're getting into, I think we have said loads of time, we're in a bit of a typical uh, market at the moment. And typically at this time of year, more people are considering selling and that's, you know, certainly what we are experiencing. So yeah, I'm really positive. Good to hear. Um, I would concur with that. Although I've been, you saw in the news, I think it was, it might've even been this morning that, uh, Property pricing discounts, as I think the media labels it, are a higher percentage for the January data anyway into February than it has I been for the last five years. I didn't see in the news, Sam. I don't watch the news, but go on. Fair enough. Uh, well, you know me. I look at everything. Uh, <laughs> and so the the headline was, um, you know, property prices falling at an alarming rate when the reality is it's just <laughs> that agents are doing their job now more than ever yeah um some of them doing their job a little bit later than perhaps they would have liked in terms of mm-hmm. maybe putting a price uh, on a property that was perhaps ambitious shall we say um but the good news is that they are having those crucial conversations about meeting the market earlier in the process and mm-hmm. it seems like that the, there are a lot of agents out there that are not scared to look at large price reductions and in a mm-hmm. market like this we said this I think on the podcast last week, um, whether it was actually on the show, whether it was in another conversation I was having right now, I can't remember, but I'm going to pretend and assume that it was on this show because this <laughs> seems to be where I do the majority of my talking about this stuff. The worst thing you can do in this market is withdraw a property, mm. right? So do not fear a price reduction, fear taking it off the market. I think I, I think I did say this last night. I definitely said it. Uh, to a couple of people but if you can get a result in this market regardless of the price because of what the media is beating up about you will become a lighthouse Mm. to your community people will look to you and they'll be like mark worrell moving works they get results they sell houses right people will remember that there's a sold sticker on that sale board not that it got a 45 grand price reduction and then sold right they'll Mm. remember the result rather than the price and that, to me, is what everybody's got to focus on. And that is backed up in the work that agents are doing with statistics like the, the highest percentage price reductions in five years. That's not bad news, mm. right? That's sellers willing to meet the market because they found their other opportunity from a seller who's willing to meet the market. That is market dynamics. That is how real estate's meant to work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So don't see that as a beat up. Communicate the context. Get out to your marketplace and be like, did you know, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, throughout Preston or Machul, wherever you are in the country, right? More sellers are ready to meet the market now than they have been in the last five years. How exciting is that for you? 
Mortgage rates, yes, they're higher than they were a year ago, but they're not screaming through the roof anymore. And actually, if you look really long-term, there are some great products out there. Let's talk about your affordability. What's affordability? Everyone keeps asking me for a fee valuation. Well, that's not what we do here. We work out your affordability and we put you in touch with the right team, whether it's a broker and a solicitor and your agent at the end, and we get you from A to B, mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be, right? That's really exciting news as far as I'm concerned. And that's that's what everyone's got to be screaming at the top of their lungs, not fearing that news, but communicating it, telling people what it really means because that's super important. So I'm glad you're positive. I think that there is reason to be positive um, and it is that the market is is behaving like a market. Mm. You know, If you meet it, you get a result and you probably end up with what you want. Um, if you don't, you sit around whinging about the market. Yeah, and I guess that's consumers and agents, both of them. I was going to say, from the agent side of things, something that I've seen probably in the in the last six months and sort of had internal conversations with myself, but also with team members here. And I think well, we definitely talked about it on this podcast um, is that don't get in the way of a deal. So mm. I, it's a real transformation in thinking from this time last year. So this time last year, it was about, you know, maximizing prices and pushing the price up. And now whilst our job is, always to get the client the most money the market has changed and as you quite rightly say say, sellers have got to be willing to meet the market now that might mean a significant price reduction not long after coming onto the market price realignment really we should say rather than the price reduction because we're talking about trying to realign it with the market but sometimes i found myself thinking no i think it's worth that i think it's worth that but actually it's got no interest so it's not worth that and i think sometimes agents need to get out of the way and have those uh, courageous conversations with clients to you know say right well we thought it was this but actually it's proving not to be um and i said to you off air i've lost some instructions on valuation recently um, and I was going through the on-market stock yesterday of which properties I've been out to are all still sat on the market. Mm. The that are on the market. If I've been out to them, they're all still sat at a price higher than I said. And I'm all right with that because I think it it cements what I was thinking. But what I've got to get better at is actually now keeping in touch with them and reminding them of what I said right at the out, at the outset, I think. Not in a... But what- what a there's no better reason to stay in touch is there than you you know and it's not calling them up and and we this is the documents that i sent you before we hit recording right about this webinar that we did last week and some of the language in there and it's not about telling people uh not it's not about rubbing it in right it's not about telling people how to suck eggs and being like hey it's mark from moving works just so you know i said your house is worth 450 you went with 500 (laughs) I couldn't help but noticing that you're still on the market at 500. Why is that? You know, don't be an <laughs> asshole. Oh, right? Damn it. You know? And I know, I know, you know, you and I have been doing this a long time, Mark. I know that that is verbatim what you would have called them and said, right? And you would have left it a voicemail with a little snigger as well. But all jokes aside, if you call somebody up and you say, do you remember our conversation about all the things that I was going to do for you throughout the process, weekly meetings, regular updates, chasing the buyers four or five times till we get some genuine feedback, putting it all in writing. So you talk about everything that you talked about in your listing presentation, except the price. So you're reminding them all the actual stuff that was different and they'll remind themselves, right, of the one reason why they didn't go with that, which was because the other guy or the other girl, right, said, no, it's worth a bit more money than what they said. Don't listen to them. We'll do it. We'll get you more money. And you know what? We'll charge you less. 
it's good, isn't it? That's a good deal for you, isn't it, Mister Miss Self? Wow, shit, that is a good deal. I'm more interested in that shiny toy than I am about all the other process stuff. So you call them up and you say, "Is the other guy doing all this stuff? Are you hearing from them? Are they chasing their buyers? What's the sort of feedback that you've got?" Right, you are a few weeks in, right? I saw somebody else the same day as you. We've already sold their property. They're happy. They've moved on. They've bought through us. Whatever it might be, right? Find a reason to call and talk about all the other stuff, stuff you can genuinely promise your process, right? All the reasons why the right clients buy into you. And I'm talking to you, Mark, but I'm also talking to you, the listener <laughs> at this point. And then let them bring up price because most of the time they will. Most of the time they'll be like, we haven't had any people through. And you get the opportunity then to say, why do you reckon that is? Like, you got a great house. Photos look good. Why do you think people aren't coming through? I've had it time and time again, actually, where, as, as you say that, I've never thought people, people they, they value your expertise. Otherwise, you wouldn't, okay, you might not have got the instruction, but you wouldn't have got through the door in the, the very first place. So if they say to you, you know, you're having that conversation, they will often say, what do you think of the price? Hmm. And then that's your opportunity to say, well, you know, we, we did have a conversation. I, my view is that it should have been at this and, it, and sometimes then you, it probably is a bit more of a courageous conversation because it should have been this. So if it was 450 three weeks ago and they've now reduced it down to 460 and they're still not getting it, not getting it, it might not be 450 now. It might be 440. No, that's a- and that's it. it you know, and I think you don't, if I can give you some unsolicited advice and everybody some unsolicited advice who's listening to this, right? But let's face it, you're listening to it because you want to hopefully hear something like this. Mm-hmm. If they say to you, what do you think about the price? You, you don't say, well, I said to you X in the valuation, right? Because again, you're sort of rubbing it in that they made the wrong choice. They already know that. They're already like, fuck. Because they're talking I to really you. Wanna... They've answered the yeah, phone. Yeah, exactly, right? And they're like, I should have picked Mark. You know, it was great. I liked the process. Had a good suit. He had a good haircut. Family man. And he, and he talked us through all these things that he could, he could actually control outside of the price. But if they say to you, what do you think about the price? You say to them, listen, if I was your agent right now, I'd be coming around and seeing you at least once a week and we'd be reviewing the marketing every single word of the ads on the portals every single word in the brochure we'd be reviewing the presentation of the home like i wouldn't want to make you feel bad but i kind of walk around and tidy things up a bit and say this is the showroom condition that we want to have that in right i'd be asking you to review my performance did i keep all my promises are we aligned am i still the right person to bring people through your home to get you the best price possible and then i'll probably sit down if we're happy with all that I'd be making a price recommendation that might be a little bit scary to you. Is your agent doing that? No, they're not. Well, (laughs) you know, this might be a bit forward, but can I come and do that with you? Because I'd love the opportunity to get you a great result. You haven't talked about price. You haven't rubbed it in. You've talked them through your process again, right? You've given them that meeting without having their instruction, which will then get you their instruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think too many agents go for the like kiss before they've flirted enough, you know? Um, I couldn't keep this uh, out of the gutter for more than 15 minutes, but that like, you, you don't want to lean in too early. You want to like get them being like, Oh, when's he going to kiss me? Come on. You know? <laughs> so at least that's my experience, but it's been a little while. Um, so that would be my suggestion. And again, like if you've got a couple of those people over the last few months that have missed out, go and have those conversations because there's results there, like begging for you to take them on board, right? And these people need your help. If you're listening to this show, there's a very high chance that you don't muck about on price, right? 
which means there's a pretty high chance that there are people in your local marketplace that do. Mm. So yeah. rewind three and a half minutes, get your pen and paper out or put it as loud as you can on your phone and hit record on a Google doc or something like that and get it all out, learn it, internalize it, make it yours, pick up the telephone. And the, the, the conversations in, in regards to pricing are so important last week. Um, I think it was Matt last week was, was talking about their, their pricing strategy. I think I put on Facebook actually, I used it at uh, a meeting that afternoon and mm. that was re- a really, really very effective way of um of pricing the property as it happened the guy said oh actually i don't like that that guy price but where i was pitching it on price was 10 between 10 and 25 grand lower than the competition um and the guide price strategy enabled me to say well we'll we'll guide it between 325 and 350 um Mm. because the others were at 340 and 350 um, so it did enable me to almost that kind of cliched give two prices sort of thing. So I'm not too far away. Um, and he he turned around and said, actually, we, we don't want to do that strategy, but um, I, you know, appreciated the recommendation. So it, it was kind of covering my backside a little bit. My feelings on price are, are still there, but sometimes if you want the instruction, you, you've got to take a commercial decision. Can I sell it at 340? Maybe. Um, I'll get, certainly give it a good go and then we'll be having the conversation later on down, down the line. But that guide price and that terminology on pricing and also particularly the um, chasing the ball down the hill is some really good wording um, and some good language in my opinion. So if, you've, you know, if you have rewound it and listened to the last sort of five, 10 minutes of you talking, another one, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, that's, there's some really good language in there that, that I've personally found effective sat in the living room Without a shadow of a doubt, right? For for a property to be attractive to a buyer, the price has to be uncomfortable to the seller, right? I think I've I've told that to anybody who'll listen over the last yeah. seven days, and I will keep saying it because it's so fundamentally true, not just in the market we find ourselves in now, even in an absolutely roaring market, right? There's still sellers who want more money for their houses and there's still mm-hmm. buyers who want to pay less, right? And actually the 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 other thing that that's a nice segue, if I may into a story that I wanted to share with everybody. And I think this episode is just going to be you and I going back and forth on a few conversations about the last week. But sometimes we end up with those being almost the best episodes that we do because it's almost like real-time value from the actual market on now yeah. both sides of the world that's delivering hopefully something of use to the listener. But I, so my sister lives in a, in a country town a couple hours west of uh, Brisbane and we sort of catch up once a month, twice a month. Um, and I went out there on Saturday because she's just moved house. So bought and sold. Um, she's got market kids. research. It's a bit of a mission, right? And I went out there because uh, she's a clinical psychologist um, and she didn't have a great experience yeah. buying and selling houses. And it's been a really long time. It was like she was in her last house for just under 20 years. And sort of that was the family home, she had all the kids there, all that sort of stuff. And um, so she was like, she has a a podcast and like a YouTube channel and stuff. And she said, can you come up and record a podcast with me about the psychology of real estate? And that's the title of today's episode, right? And I was like, sure. (laughs) It's going to be weird being on the other side of the fence, but why not? (laughs) And we sit down and, and she's like, what's it like being a real estate agent? And I sort of said, well, it's been a while. And I said, what was it? What was it like buying and selling a house? Um, and her response was, it was really shit. Yeah. 
and and it just again brings me back to the point of there's there's, there's two sides to like the psychology of real estate if you want to call it that right mm-hmm. there's the agent side which is the probably the psychology of a state agency for our listeners but there is the psychology that of your clients as well and what they're going through let's take for instance the people that we've been talking about for this episode so far people who've picked an agent because they believe that they could get them quite a ridiculous amount of money more than somebody else and they were going to charge them less right so they're they're starting out beyond optimistic would that be fair to say yeah and and within a couple of weeks their world's coming crashing down because they know they've made the wrong choice but they don't want to admit it mm-hmm. and their agent's not telling them any difference. So they're just kind of living in hope. Maybe someone will come along and they'll almost be tricked into paying the money that we've been promised for this home. And I use that promise word and you, you actually made me realize how ridiculous this was when we were talking about this before we hit record was so my sister sold a house with one agent and bought through another. The sale was infinitely more stressful than the purchase but the yeah, purchase okay. was was stressful as well. And I think we've always talked about on this show that selling sucks and buying is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe selling sucks and buying sucks too is, is a better way of describing it until you get certainty and maybe until you're unpacked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because so my, my seller, uh, my seller, <laughs> my sister was <laughs> promised, right? Her words and she picks her words very carefully because of the kind of person that she is and the profession that she's in. She was promised a figure, not an exorbitant figure either, right? She, she got her three agents out. She picked the lady that she was most comfortable with. And she said, there's absolutely, you know, I promise you that we'll get this, but it's more likely we're going to end up here above it, right? That figure was 720. She said, but it's more likely we'll get close to 750. Uh, they end up selling for 680 and the agent had to cut her fee in half to make up the difference because my sister had already bought the other place and was under pressure then to sell hers, buying before yeah. you sell, complete wrong way around. People end up underselling their home because there's so much pressure to move, et cetera. Yeah. All these, it's an interesting podcast. She's like, it's going to come out in four months. I was like, four months, Kirst. We can't wait that long. Like, I was going to ask that. Give the people what they want. Tonight. It'll be a different market in four months' time. People will be like, who is this idiot? He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but my point there was this agent told my sister what she wanted to hear, right? Yeah. Um, and she, she did it in a manner that didn't come across as bullshit. Now, mm-hmm. there are agents out there that are doing that every day. And I don't, I have no doubt in my mind that this agent felt like she was doing the right thing and she was so confident that she could get that mm. price, but it just wasn't there, right? So you can't promise things you can't control. Absolutely. Agent psychology 101. You can see now with, again, you don't watch the news. So for Mark's benefit, everybody who, who is aware of this, Pearl Bricks are in some strife, right? Douglas and Gordon, massive surprise. They're a great brand, yeah. right? And for all intents and purposes, we're a pretty good business, but clearly they've got some challenges as well. This market is showing the way for the small and medium agents out there, like everyone listening to this show. Hello Mm -hmm. to our three or four corporate listeners, right? (laughs) You guys, the little guys, the medium people, you have the advantage now, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have the leverage or the liability that these big guys do, right? So pressure cracks those big guys first. You don't have that. There's still pressure on you to perform without a shadow of a doubt but it's easier for you to get better as a small entity than it is as a big boy rolling Mm. around, right? But you've got to remember how I can relate this somehow back to where we started this story about my sister is 
this this lady worked for a um like I think it was the biggest agency in Toowoomba where they are. So they've got sixty odd sales staff, and you can imagine the competition in that office to just wow. like win business, get top of the board, bring stuff in. And I feel like she kind of went through the motions a little bit instead mm. of sitting down and really finally articulating the process. She was just going to let the market do its talking for her, right? Yeah. Um, and then on the other side was an agent who uh, my sister didn't have a great deal to do with, but he ran an auction process. So the property had no price. And it was in a market where everybody was wary of what they were buying, what they were selling. Cause it's similar here as, as it is over there that yeah. it probably actually fell off more of a cliff here, but seems to be starting to show some signs of flattening out rather yeah. than recovering. Um, and he said, they've got to sell it. That was the feedback. What are they going to sell for? They've got to sell it, right? At the end of the day, they're out of there. Uh, and and that was turns out to be the truth. But they get to an auction. There's like 45 people at the auction. And so now my sister has the, we can't find a buyer for our place, except for somebody who's offered way less than we can afford to even buy this place. Yeah. And now we're in massive levels of competition, right? Um, and so all this guy did on the buy side for his seller was promise the process and he delivered a great result. And my sister, she doesn't think she overpaid, but she's like, I was top bidder. <laughs> she's like, so I paid more than everybody else. Yeah. yeah well, there you you go. Know? And all of that resulted in one, I, you know, she called me up and I was like, do you need to buy this house? And when you've got five kids, there's not many houses that fit <laughs> your needs. Right. So this was big block, you know, not the biggest house, but enough bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So she's like, it's our house. You know, we are hundred percent buying this house, it's got a pool, it's it's what we're doing. Yeah. And so she goes in a position where she bought a house for maybe the right money, more than too much money, because she was a top bidder, but there are other people there having a crack at it. Yeah. And then had to sell her house and only had one person who was willing to pay their right money, which to my sister was the wrong money. So the agent had to go, Oh, I've messed up here. So I halved my fee to make up the ten grand difference to allow her to actually buy the house. And the the thing that you the thing that still strikes me about that uh, conversation and what you said initially is that the agent promised that price as you said mm. you can't promise something that you can't control I think that's so dangerous and I don't imagine that your sister um, came up with that word I imagine that that's something that came out of the agent's mouth we might we might be wrong but you've got mm. very very careful I think in any market about making price promises and that you know has cost that agent. An awful lot of money, effectively. I, I I asked her the question. I said, of any of any of the agents that you saw when it came to selling your house, did any of them talk to you about the additional stress and pressure that comes with buying before you sell? No, no. And did did she have other valuations? She had other agents out there pitching for her business. Yep, but she she picked this lady because she felt like she was the most honest, most into, like she, she said to me, and I think I said this to you before we were recording. So she's pretty busy being a mom of five and running a psychology business, right? Yeah. She said, I value my time above anything else. I want somebody to tell me who is the cleaner to come in and clean our entire property. Who's going to stage it, right? Who is going to do everything so that it gets it done. Yeah. And none of, none of the three of them had any of that. They were just like, yeah. well, you've just got to clean it up. And when do you want the photos to be done? And she's like, take control. Like, come on, help me out here. I, I just want you to share a calendar where things are going to be and I can get my kids organized because some of them are able to help out and stuff like that now because they're a bit older. But it was just none of that. And she said, one of the guys 
I literally said to him, I don't want any of the bullshit. I just want you to tell me what you will sell my house for so I know I can buy this one. And he's mm. just like, oh, oh, and actually he did a good job of not making any promises, but he, he stumbled on his answers. She was like, I just lost all confidence in him because if mm. a buyer walked in there and was as direct as I was, yeah, was he just going to look like a deer in headlights with them as well? And I mm. think it just shows that I think the l- women are great at connecting doesn't matter whether it's other women or anybody, right? Um, there was a really interesting podcast I was listening to a couple of weeks ago about uh, an agency in Sydney called Cobden Hayson. Uh, yeah, a guy called Matt Hayson is the MD of that business. And uh, he was analysing his uh, top women and top men in the business. And he's like, it was really interesting. My, my top performing women in the business make between 40 and 60 calls every single day. Yeah. And he's like, my top performing men make between 90 and 100 calls or 90 and 110 calls every single day. And he's like, the women make more money by doing less work because it's easier for them to connect. The men have to make up for that with volume. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's why this lady won my sister's business was because she was probably genuine. She may have just mm-hmm. misinterpreted the market or had got some great results and maybe it was coming after the Christmas period and it wasn't the typical January bounce as there was here or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it was it was fascinating to hear those stories. Whereas, and she was obviously well trained, and she knew the the right answers to questions, and it didn't sound scripted. The other two were a bit relaxed, a bit lazy, a bit mm. casual. Not what uh, you know, businesswoman, or if you want to call it that, or a psychologist wants to hear. And I think actually, not what most people want to hear. They want someone who's going to take control of the process. They want somebody who's going to justify whether it's a price or whether it's a process. Either yeah. way, right? Because again, if you're sitting there with somebody and you're going to talk about an asking price, you've got to have facts and figures to back that up. Mm. Not just, yeah, we'll get you what you want. I think I think taking control is such an important part of winning the business. I talk to our team here about taking control, you know, of the call. If somebody calls in to to book a meeting, take control of that mm. call, set an agenda for the call. When you're in the in the living room, you know, or walk through the house even, you know, as soon as you, you take control of that meeting. And I think it's really important not to do it in an authoritarian way, but actually to let them know that, you know, you've got a process as you talked about, and that's the way, the way it goes. I just want to, before, before we wrap up, talk about the onward purchase. You said that that was stressful too. And sometimes we think that buying on is the exciting part, which it is because it's, you know, all new and, you know, optimistic about about the future but actually i had a similar experience with a client of mine yesterday who's fallen out of love with the property that he was buying because probably for no other reason than time's gone on and all you know he said to me last week he's like i'm not we're not sure whether we're gonna carry on i was like his words were time kills deals and it's so right in so many Mm. times that you know as time goes on Sometimes people just fall out of love and they couldn't even put their finger on why they were withdrawing from the purchase other than um, it's gone on a little bit. We've fallen out of love with it and mm. um, we've lost a bit of faith in the seller and, you know, a few a few other th- small things as well. But actually, the excitement for somebody buying is never as high as when they've viewed the property. And I think as agents, we've got to understand that because that's a way that we can prevent sales falling through you know i'm sure 
asked your sister about the, the buying process after the auction, she was absolutely buzzing. But then as that process goes on, I'm assuming that, you know, that excitement, you know, diminished a little bit. Or did she did she go into that in any any detail, Sam? Why she actually described that process as stressful? Or was it re- because it was related to her sale? So uh, it's only a 30-day process from making an offer to moving in here. So, so you don't actually, yeah, you don't have, and I, I, and I think that's that's a really, that's probably the best part of of the mm. system here, and I think that's deliberate, right? That's been set up by government to make sure they pay their stamp duty, right? Um, contractually across all the states, there are milestones that lock both parties in, so a seller can't withdraw the moment they agree mm. an offer; they can't yeah. bin it. Only a buyer can. A buyer gets a cooling off period, which in every state other than where I'm in Queensland is uh, five business days. Yeah. Uh, after that, they've got to have a legitimate reason to pull out. In Queensland, you can pull out pretty much any time after that. Like you say, I didn't get my finance through, but you don't have to provide evidence. Or you can say it failed at survey. You don't have to provide evidence. Well, so you get a few extra outs. But again, as an agent, you don't tell anyone that. You say <laughs> no. you've got your cooling off period. And then if you don't get your finance, you'll have to tell us why. Um, because that's the honourable thing to do, and most people don't do that. My sister yeah. was stressed because she had not bought or sold a house in a long time, mm-hmm. and she'd never bid at an auction. The only auctions she'd seen on TV, some of them fall flat, particularly there's a show here called The Block where everyone renovates a shipbox house and then they sell it at an auction at the end. And for the last four or five years, they've all had reserves of $3 bucks and they've sold for $5 million. Mm-hmm. This year, one of them sold and the other four didn't. So it didn't get to their reserve. Um, I think one of them actually got $1 over the reserve and they sold it and the people got $1 prize money, um, which is crazy. Yes. Like they've just done like 25 weeks work to get one buck, um, but they'll probably get big radio jobs out of it anyway. So they were fine. Um, her, yeah, her biggest gripe, and we had, we had this conversation. She was like, the agent didn't tell us what to do at auction. He just told us to be there and that the property was going to be sold and that we could get it at any price. And that, you know, with my real estate agent hat on, that's, that's good like yeah, that's how you get bidders to an auction. Get them in the room. Um, yeah, you you may be uh, be ever so slightly more professional than that, um, but that I'm, I don't live in the country, so maybe I should. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so he 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 did his job for his sellers really well. It sounds like he's a pretty good agent, as far as I'm concerned, like a really good practitioner. Um, but he didn't give at least Kirsty and her family any advice on how to bid at auction or how to get prepared or how to understand your pricing limits and your levels. And I said, maybe that's a good thing because if you had gone in there and, and we've talked about this on this show before about having three prices. So like your oh shit price, that's the price you don't want to drive away going, shit, I should have paid more money. Mm. You got your like fair market value pretty much where the sales are, right? In the last six yeah. months, so the market's moved a lot. So it's you've got to do your homework a little bit more mm. and then you got your like you beauty price. I said, if, if he'd had that conversation with you, you might not have bought it. Because maybe your oh shit price was less than what you spent. So maybe your emotions got you what you wanted that day. Um, but then maybe you might have sold your place for more money because you weren't under that additional pressure and you could have waited an extra week or an extra two weeks or an extra month or an extra six months. Who knows? Um, she's happy, right? And th- this is the really important part of this story. It was stressful on both mm-hmm. sides. She got what she wanted. Right? It, it, it worked out. They got the house that they wanted. And they moved home at the time they wanted to in a relatively quick period. It was all said and done from start to finish in less than three months, right? Which no one in the UK can say really. (laughs) Um, But there was just, and this is the point that I'll come back to for everybody listening and how you can empathize. People do not know what they're doing. 
and they are desperate for information. And everyone's really good. And shout out to Chris Watkin if you're listening to this. Content's great. Jerry does the same sort of thing, right? Buy a guide, sell a guide. If you're getting divorced, sell your house, doing whatever. It's all well and good to have that in content, but you've got to be able to have that as a conversation as well. Yeah, That's where it's going to make a fundamental difference. You can get a lead, right? But if you can't go in there and verbatim add more context, like repeat it, right, verbatim, but then add more context and tell stories around it, you're going to be leaving instructions on the table. They're going to go to somebody else who's offering it for less of a fee and, and pitching more money, right? So remember that people don't really know what they're doing, no matter how professional they might be, no matter how successful they might be, they don't move all that often. You are the expert. So go in there and say, what do you want to know? Like, I, I'm a repository of all this information. I've seen it all, good and bad. Like, let me help you. Even if it's not with me, I'll tell you what you need to know and I'll make you an expert for the next six months of your life while you get through this process. And I think also, the other thing that I'm just, I'm just going to add to that because I often ask people who haven't moved house in 20 years, say, you know, mm. you got any questions about the process? No. I, I would say nine times out of 10, they say no. And every time I'm like, wow, really? But um, it's something that Rachel said to me a couple of times is that, you know, not only do people not know what they're doing, they also don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing. Mm. So it's our job to actually not just ask that question, but perhaps probe a little bit more. And, you know, just to sort of wrap this up a little bit, I think what we can probably learn from your sister's experience and also the some of the uh, valuing stuff that we talked about before is that moving house is stressful. It's a bit shit. Mm. Um, and it's going to be probably worse in this country than the example that you just talked about with your sister. So actually it's our job to make sure that we do whatever we can to try and minimize that stress by having open, honest, but deep conversations whereby we really get to know the clients and don't just accept their first answer because quite often the difference between you as an agent and your competitor, you know, it might not be fee, it might not be valuation. Those are the ones that we go to perhaps as excuses a little bit, but actually it might be on that connection that you made. And the fact that, you know, when they said they've, not got any questions you asked a follow-up question further to that and i think that's the thing to take away from this is that it, it is a bit shit our job is to try and make it a bit less so less shit yeah. yeah 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 and you know i i often say you know moving house is really stressful and a lot of people are well aware of that i think it's our job to try and minimize that and without a doubt and and you're exactly right about people not wanting to admit that they don't know necessarily what they're doing uh, or that they're People have got this weird perception of estate agents, right? You you and I know that the majority of the closest people in our lives and the best people we know actually are real estate agents. <laughs> uh, and yet, if you ask somebody who isn't in the industry, they'll tell you that they're all dickheads, right? <laughs> yeah. So people don't want to admit that a real estate agent might know more than them. Mm. And so if you get that, and I'm not surprised one bit that you get that answer a lot, and I think following up is hugely important. But imagine that you just say what you just said, great. So many people I meet to are a bit nervous because I haven't done it in a long time and we sort of handhold everything. Hope you don't mind, but I'll just put all the stuff that I speak to everyone about like in a couple of docs. I'll send it to you with an email with my uh, paperwork after this for you to look at and have a read of over tonight. So you're sending them all the information. So if they do have questions, they can read on their own terms, but you're also sending them your agreement to sign as well, which I think is really important. Because uh, if you get them in the moment of them being like, oh, Mark, he actually has taken the time to do all this, 
you might end up with good results. So I think the, the point of all this, right, is that people are hugely emotional, hugely nervous, um, and and most of the time super uninformed about the process they're going through. And it's an agent's job to walk them through and hold their hand through that process, not promise a price. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just that little bit of a reminder that sometimes, you know, we do this every day. It's something that people do. Um, people do what once every 17 years, 20 years, something like that. So we should mm. make, take that time to, to get them comfortable because it is the type of thing that will make the big difference between you and you and the competition. So we'll we'll wrap it there, Mr. Hunter. Thank you very much um, for those valuable insights. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please share it out on social, share it with a colleague. And if you haven't yet reviewed the podcast, please do so wherever you listen. I'm Oral. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. This episode was sponsored by Revis.com. If you are looking to grow your new build department, you should check out Revis.com because it's a visualisation tool that can help bring properties to life before a brick is laid. If you are wanting to show potential house buyers around property that isn't built yet, allow them to actually customise kitchens floor coverings, wallpaper, that sort of thing, then Revis.com is a great tool and I suggest that you check it out.